0: Hello and welcome back to the official SASTA podcast with me, Harry Stebbings, at hstebbings on Snapchat. And if you haven't listened to our part one with Jason Lemkin on Monday, then that really is a must, where he discusses how to hire the right VP of sales, what to look for in those candidates, how founders can optimize their ACV, and much more. And today, we'll discuss his biggest red flags when investing, why CEOs have to be in the valley, why it's impossible to have 100% gross margins, and much more. I'm also so excited to say that it is now less than 30 days to SASTA annual 2017. And if you've not got your tickets and would like to join the likes of Jason and I, YC's Sam Altman, Facebook's Dustin Moskovitz, and many more, then all you have to do is enter the promotional code with HARRY, those three words, Drinks with HARRY when you purchase your ticket, and you'll get a whopping 20% off the ticket price and free mojitos. Cheers to Jason for that one. But before we rejoin Jason in the hot seat today, if you do make the wise decision of coming to Zastel Annual, then you'll get to meet the incredible Algolia team and product. Now, Algolia is the robust search API that allows developers to integrate lightning-fast typo-tolerant search into their SaaS product. Out of the box, Algolia offers developers a powerful platform for building great search experiences. By owning the entire stack, from engine to server, Algolia free up development teams to focus on adding intuitive search that delights users. This is perfect for existing search teams looking to spend less time on maintenance and infrastructure management and more time on user experience. For small SaaS teams, Algolia is a great investment on top of your existing stack that requires no specialist engineers and you can learn more about how Algolia helps SaaS scale search and get started on their 14-day free trial at algolia.com forward slash SaaS to podcast. However, it's now time to rejoin Jason, and we start today with the quickfire round. We hope you enjoy it. Good. That's perfect. Okay, I think we're warmed up. I'd love to move into a quickfire round, believe it or not. Um, yep. 60 seconds, faster. Um, 60 so seconds. 60 seconds, right. So why do you like it when companies have customers in way off middle U.S. who are way out of tech? What's attractive about that?
1: I like it because I can almost instantly see how you'll get to 10 million AR and beyond. Uh, early adopters are great. I started with early adopters. But if somehow you can get past early adopters when you're early, that means you have something really special in terms of product market fit and market
0: pull. What do you know now that you wish you'd known when you started investing?
1: That it takes four to five years in anything to get good as a founder and anything else. So just when it gets hard is the time you need to push through because four to five years is when the magic happens in this compounding revenue world that we're in, and in investing as well.
0: So I have I have to, to bust in and say I, I kind of don't agree with you though when you look at your angel investing portfolio and think you know Naval says it takes thirty deals for it to, to come to fruition and you to actually the skill of angel investing. That's not the case with your angel investing portfolio, and that consistently brilliant deals returning you know good money when the exits come and liquidity happens. So, so is
1: how do? You- but it still takes four to five years. It, everything takes four to five years to get good. In venture, it's if you invest early, it's going to take four to five years until you have enough companies doing 20 30 40 million in ARR that are kind of you can see an IPO over the horizon as a founder like it in saas it doesn't even get good until like 10 million in ARR it doesn't even get good and that's when all of a sudden, you can build the real management team, and the, and the brand kicks in, and the second order revenue kicks in, and it all starts to click. And it just, everything, SaaS takes a little longer to, to get off the ground than B2C does, and SaaS investing takes a little bit longer for the same reason, and it just, it takes four to five years to get good.
0: Mm-hmm. Why do you only invest out of the SaaS community?
1: Because I need to be more than a fungible source of capital. There are infinite sources of capital, and it's, investing just to make money is not worth it. It's not worth it. It's a 10 plus year journey. And I have to work with founders I love that I would work for and that I want to go into battle with every day. And if they're already part of the community and passionate about it, I know I know we'll already work well together.
0: Mm-hmm. And then uh, talking about kind of um, infinite sources of capital there, and there are, as we've said, flip side, what should SaaS founders look for in their investors? Let's kind of be specific though and say in the seed series A stage, so the earlier stages.
1: I think number one is trust. Okay, Pick an investor that you trust. This is, a, as we talked about, a 10-year journey, and there is potential for founder VC disalignment over time, especially if you raise 78 rounds of venture. So pick a wingman. Pick someone that's part of your team. The earlier you are, think about VCs like VPs. Hire the, the ones that, that you trust and believe in the most. That's more important than brand. That's more important than a, a fancy social media campaign or a few thousand answers on quora pick someone that you trust mm-hmm. and then two pick who can help you the most that's that's clear and you'll know that and maybe nobody maybe nobody can help you but but usually in the seed stage someone can help you the most with whatever your challenges are hiring a management team exposing your the brand of your product etc and and so trust one help the most And then third, if you have options, make sure you pick someone that can help, if it's seed, that can help you deliver the next round because the best A&B investors want to follow the best seed investors like Clockwork.
0: Should you fall victim to the the brand love that is uh, very common in in the SaaS world? Do you know the likes of um, Bessemer and Battery and The Social obviously have incredible brand names? Yes, you should. So you should fall victim to those. You should fall victim to those
1: brands. And I'm pleased that... Several of them are my LPs and <laughs> co-investors and good friends, but um, but but if you, if they're not investing, if they're investing at a stage later than me, if they're investing at the A and you're doing the seed, one, there there are two things you can sometimes. All those folks will also do seed investments as well, but as the funds get bigger, they tend to write bigger checks and be a little bit later stage. So one option is to get Bessemer, Social, or whoever to invest in your seed round, which they do. But if they're not the right pick for for seed, instead look. When you, when you do your own diligence on a VC, after you do diligence on trust and after you do diligence on who can help you the most, then see who follows them into other companies. There's a reason on my little sasterfund.com website, I put who follows each investment. So you, you don't even have to do the work. Here's the other VCs that followed me. And I will tell you, having had it investors as a founder that both people wanted to follow and that people didn't care about following your life is 10 times easier for the next round if you have a seed investor that people want to follow that people will you'll walk into series a and B meetings and the VCS will be excited to take the meeting they'll be leaning forward it's it's just like YC YC is so powerful because the default it's default yes and there are seed investors that are default yes too and so if you can get a default yes seed investor that is so powerful it, unless it, unless you don't don't ever need any more money. In which case, it has no value.
0: <laughs> Step in, Ryan, from Qualtrics. Um, yes, but I, I do want to transition- But if you, need, if you want to raise more money, think about default.
1: Yes, seed investors, and it's and do
0: your work there, and it just makes your life easier. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But I do I do want to move away from the quickfire and finish today on some elements that we've discussed that attract you to a prospective investment. So turning away from that to the red flags, let's start yes. with one you've previously said that founders have to be one hundred and ten percent. Committed sales. So, what does this really mean, and how does that package itself up?
1: I believe that most founders that weren't salespeople themselves by training, and I typically don't invest in in CEOs with a sales background. They think sales is a little yucky. They think either it's, it's unseemly itself, or they don't, or they don't mind sales so much. But they only like the middle part of sales. They only like talking about their product, demoing the product, uh, building relationships with the customers, which is are all important. But they only like the middle of the sales process. And they don't like doing outbound or cold calling or growth hacking. That's the beginning of the process. And they don't like the end of the process. They don't like getting on jets. They want to sit in front of their monitor all day or sit in their conference room. They don't want to fly on a seven-stop flight to the Panhandle or to Cincinnati, which no longer has a direct flight uh, from the Bay Area. Or fly to Berlin, which no longer has a direct flight to the Bay. They don't want to do these things. They're exhausting. They are exhausting. But when I see a founder, especially founder that has no sales background, especially founder that's an engineer by training that loves sales, wow. Then I know we have dynamite because your competition that just wants to sit in front of a monitor all day, you're going to kill them. You're just going to you're just going to run all over them.
0: So should should sales get paid more than a CEO? Do you think? And then how fast do you think the optimal payback period would be for the sales guy or gal? Uh,
1: on my top. 50- red flags for investing is if the the CEO or or frankly any of the founders don't think the VP of sales should make the most money in the company. Uh, I have made one investment of many where that wasn't true and it just creates endless disalignment. You you want founders that want to make money out of their equity and they should believe that if my VP of sales makes an insane amount of money that means my equity is going to be worth an insane amount of money. That's what you want to hear. And if I hear any hints otherwise and it can be especially challenging challenging when you have distributed international teams because if your team's distributed and you have co-founders in a low cost of living country, you may have a co-founder that makes a very a relatively small amount of money in U.S. dollars as it is to a standard executive, and the VP of sales could make twenty times what they make, <laughs> and, and wouldn't that get under the skin of anybody? I'm a founder, and this guy that came off the street makes twenty times what I make, and I'm a founder. If you're not trying to build a unicorn, that will drive you nuts. But if you're trying to build a unicorn, you're gonna—it's going to actually make you smile. And the payback period for a VP of sales? Yeah, what's it? Like? Is it a kind of about about three weeks? Three weeks. If you don't, we talked—we've talked before that if the VP of sales isn't a creed in a sales cycle, if a VPS sales can't generate more revenue per lead in a sales cycle than you could without it, then you need to move on. You made a mishire. The flip side is a VP of sales should be accretive in one sales cycle. They should be accretive. Mm-hmm. and that's that's the that's the p l number the financial number at a gut level you should feel good you should feel good in three weeks you should feel like as a CEO your life is better you should feel as a CEO that it's not that you're gonna get to spend less time in sales in fact when you hire a VP of sales you're gonna have to spend more time in sales this is the thing everybody gets wrong a great VP of sales is going to bring you into deals and going give you and going to give you quotas of meetings you have to take and jets you have to get on you're gonna have to spend more time in sales when you hire a VP of sales but overall things should get easier and better. And if you're not feeling better in, less than 30 days something's off in this picture and you need scale as a CEO you need scale the whole one of the reasons you hire VPs is to get scale for your time and if you don't feel like 21 days in with your VP sales you're getting scale
0: then something's wrong you mentioned there the financials and and P&L and so I do want to touch on that and this will be the last red flag that we we touch on so financials always hard to grasp at this stage but you've said before that some look uh, simply ridiculous in in your words so with that in mind what does ridiculous look like and what's Scares you about that?
1: I don't expect a first-time founder who has never seen a set of financial statements to understand any of the nuances of what a what a traditional set of financial statements should look like. But I have learned that if the model they present and, the, and especially the historical financials are just insane and make no sense, it means they don't understand business. The, the one which the classic one for me is 100% gross margins. I have to tell you, every single company I've met with where they they claim they have 100% gross margin. Of course. Yeah, yeah. They've, they've never, none of them have been successful. I'm sure there are ones out there, maybe maybe the Stripe guys presented 100% gross margin in their deck at YC, and I'm wrong. But <laughs> in my limited, in the group of companies I've met with, other things were attractive, where the growth was attractive, the space, when they presented it they off, they, they were never successful. So that's insanity. Another insanity, uh, uh, another insanity, and then I'll talk about hide the ball, but another insanity is a growth plan that makes no sense. It's okay to have a, an insanity. Insane plan that you're not really going to meet, it's okay, but it has to have some basis in trailing growth or reality. And if you just make it up, I'll give you an example. I met with a startup. I really like the CEO that was at 30K in MRR growing 10% a month. And he thought next year he would be doing 15 million. Like, How is that possible? (laughs) I don't want to do that investment. He's going to go from
0: 360 to 15.
1: Growing 10% a month. And 10% a month is not a great growth rate at that stage, but it's okay. Let's talk about it. But the, the 15 million just makes no sense. Those ones never work out because the founder doesn't understand business enough. Everyone has taken a math course somewhere along the way even if you dropped out of college your first week oh, right. you, nice for you, dropping that one in it was no, still the second, a it was second, second weekend okay <laughs> so that's the one that I don't the, the ridiculous and then the third one is hide the ball this is the worst okay the one I will never ever invest in is quarterly mrR companies where you're where you're trying to smash together three months of revenue into one number to look bigger than you are whenever I see anything that's hide the ball there is no chance I will invest because it's- investing is about trust. Uh, working for a CEO is about trust recruiting is about trust all this is about trust. But if we're talking about investing, you need to continually build trust during the process of getting to know a VC. Both sides do. The VCs have to and the founders do. And any hide the ball metrics, as soon as I see like something I can't trust, this is not a relationship I want to have for 10 years.
0: Well, talking about relationships you want to have for 10 years, Jason, I always want to have a relationship with you for 10 years. Uh, It's such a pleasure to have you on your own show. Uh, But thank you so much for, for joining me today. It's been such a pleasure as always. Harry thanks for squeezing me in before before number one
1: hundred and and the whole community owes you a debt you've done an amazing job thank you.
0: What a legend, and I want to say a huge personal thanks to Jason for all he's done for me in my career, and I'm immensely excited to continue working with him and the SASTA team in the future. And if you enjoyed the episode today, then you can absolutely follow us on social at HDebbings with 2 bs on Snapchat or on at jasonlk on Twitter for Jason. However, before we leave you today, Jason mentioned Algolia in the episode, and if you join us at SASTA Annual, you'll get the incredible chance to see Algolia, the product and the team, at the event. Algolia is the robust search API that I allows developers to integrate lightning-fast, typo-tolerant search into their SaaS product. Out of the box, Algolia offers developers a powerful platform for building great search experiences by owning the entire stack from engine to server. Now, Algolia free up development teams to focus on adding intuitive search that delights users. This is perfect for existing search teams looking to spend less time on maintenance and infrastructure management, and more time on user experience. And for small SaaS teams, Algolia is a great investment on top of your existing stack that no specialist engineers and you can learn more about how algolia helps SAS scale search and get started on their 14-day free trial at algolia.com forward slash SAS podcast as always we so appreciate all your support and cannot wait to bring you next week's episode